gonna look twice at you until I see the Christ in you. Gonna look twice at Welcome back to our feet walking meditations. We um, are uh, continuing today this uh, series about discernment that we started a few weeks ago. Today we're going to talk about discerning the voice of God in books. And I know a lot of people who will love that. Oh yes, books, give me more books, right? And my wife being one of them, by the way. And I love that, uh, that desire. She is a reader and she loves uh, everything that is talking about God in books and Anyway, we are going to talk about that today. We are following uh, the uh, a book, some uh, good work from, by Henry Nouwen about discernment. It's a little book published, uh, Reading the Science of Daily Life. So let me, let me start with this. Uh, this is Henry Nouwen. I like this quote. It's simple, and uh, I think it was a good beginning to talk about the books. Uh, he, Henry Nouwen uh, writes, God speaks to us incessantly and in many ways. But a spiritual discernment is a requirement to hear the voice of God, to see what God sees, and to read the signs of daily life. And what I like is, is the simplicity of, of these two realities. Right? One is that God is constantly speaking in many, 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 many ways. Um, I will say for those who are paying attention, right? And also for those who are not. <laughs> the truth is, it is the lack of attention sometimes the main problem, right? So God is still speaking. And the simplicity of saying the requirement is just to, he calls it spiritual discernment. I would say it's just to pay attention, to train ourselves to listen. Right. It happens to me that I am uh, doing a little bit of a devotional in these days about hearing God's voice. And um, I, I, I like one what little analogy that they use uh, talking about kids. And I have a lot of little young kids, right? And these moments when you are saying, eh, Hannah, <laughs> and Hannah doesn't respond, or Lucas, and Lucas doesn't respond, they are still doing their own things, right? Because they are listening, but they are not listening. They are hearing, but they are not listening, probably, until you say, and that's the analogy of the book, you say, like, ice cream or something like that, and immediately they stop what they are doing and say, yes, no kidding, sure. So I don't know how to call that. Selective listening, right? But uh, that's a little bit what is going on here, right? Sometimes either we are not paying attention or... We are trying to pay attention and we are spiritualizing everything. That might be another extreme of the problem, right? We don't know. I don't know. It's me. It's God. And I don't know where you are, but hopefully this is going to be helpful for you. And we're going to talk today about books, okay? In the next weeks, we will talk about nature and other areas of life. But today we're talking about books. And I think this is great, not only because we have the Word of God uh, revealed through books, to a book, 66 books, 67 books in the Bible, right? But uh, also because I believe we live in a culture uh, in which books are very important, isn't it? And very available. So a few thoughts. 
the legacy of books, right? The legacy of books. I don't know if there's something that has more legacy than, than books, if you really think about it, right? They're great, amazing inventions and things, but books, right? A timeless way of learning and communicating. Yeah. How much legacy we have over the ages in books. The writing thing. God's war is revealed through a book. Right? Primarily, we have uh, felt, experienced, tasted the, the Bible as the revelation of God's word to us. And the, the amazing accessibility that we have today is, is amazing. If, if it exists, there is a book about it. Right? That is a, it's an amazing thing. I don't go into the depth of, of the legacy that we have of books, but in a typical dialectical way or paradoxical way, we have also to recognize that there are some challenges to books, especially today, right? The overload of information, right? It's the curation of information it is hard to find because really you can find everything in books and sometimes what you find might not be helpful, might not be completely truthful. It might reflect a little bit of more an opinion than something that's based. So, yeah. Um, Albert Einstein, Einstein uh, writes, information is not knowledge. And I agree, it depends on what do we mean by information or by knowledge and all of that, but um, you get the point. You know, in, in faith walking, we often say that information is not sufficient to transform us. Because if that will be the case, right, in this age of amazing information and, and books and accessibility to it, we will have a lot of amazing, I don't know, society, right? We will be happy. You just go to the best, get the best education, read the best books. And, and and listen well. I love books. I believe that that's the essence of education. I believe that I'm very grateful for it. So, but you get the point, right? There is there's kind of a little bit of a paradox there. There's a legacy and there is a challenge in it. And uh, I think it's important to recognize those two things as we try to address the conversation of how do we listen to God's voice through books. So. Um, Henry Noun, uh, in the book uh, that he writes, uh, he invites us to understand that there are two ways of reading, right? And probably there are more than two ways. And I'm very aware of this. Well, it's not the reading, it's interpreting and this Hebrew tradition of four ways to interpret the scriptures, you know, and that they have. But, but uh, following Henry Nouwen, the two ways of reading he uh, he writes this, and I think it captures the, the 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 essence of it. Spiritual reading, he calls one of the ways, means not only reading about the spiritual subjects, but also doing it in a spiritual way, which requires the willingness not only to read but also to be read, not only to dominate the world but also to be dominated by them. If we read the Bible or a spiritual book simply to gain knowledge, reading will not help us in our spiritual life. That sounds harsh, right? Reading will not help us. <laughs> and I don't know you, but 
I can relate many times, more than the, the ones I would like to admit, in which I've been reading amazing things, really, quality things, but it hasn't been helpful for my spiritual life. And I can kind of look myself in the mirror and say, this is not helping. And it's not the quality of the book. Other people tell me the stories, and probably I will say the same, of a moment in which I read again something I have read in the past, but that speaks in a way that is completely different. And so, oh my gosh, how did I miss this? And it's not only a time of when if I'm ready, but it's how I was reading at the beginning and at the end. And that will be my only contention with the education, especially superior education, college and university, is that we read and learn in a way that is so pressured that we miss a lot of the stuff. I, I intentionally went to, to, to school very slowly, probably too slowly, because I really wanted to, 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 to get a little bit more of it. Anyway, you get the point, right? So, two ways of reading. Choose of some things that come to mind, you know, out of the, the words of Henry Nowen. What does it mean to read, to dominate the content? And, uh, or, or to read, to being dominated? I don't know. We're talking about spiritual matters here, right? I want to be dominated by the one who is speaking through these words. It's a very vulnerable position, right? I don't know how many times I want to say, I want to be dominated by anything, right? This might be also helpful, uh, reading to possess knowledge, to be possessed, not by knowledge, but by the one who is behind all knowledge. Or reading to discover something, or reading by, uh, to, to being discovered. So you see the distinction, and here's, I think that gives us access to a different way of reading, right? That this is very, very different than reading for, for a master's degree of whatever it is that you are studying, right? So how do you read? How do you listen? Especially when we're talking about spiritual, spiritual things, uh, spiritual reading. So I like a lot I'm borrowing here from faith walking, right? I think this is always a... a a very impactful moment in, in the sessions or when you read, especially in the session. It has been my, my case when we have sessions in person and we talk about what you know that you know, <laughs> what you know that you don't know, and what you don't know that you don't know. And usually people look at me like, what are you talking about? Is this a joke? But then, you know, you have a little bit of time to express, yeah, there are so many things that I know that I know. I know that I know how to speak Spanish. I know that I know how to get to my house. I know that I know how to, I don't know, uh, yeah, where the access to the office that I'm working from today is. <laughs> there are things that I know that I know. You get it, right? Many. There are a lot of things that I know that I don't know. I don't know how to get to Sul's house. I don't know how to, I, I know that I don't know how to speak Cantonese or Mandarin or, or, or German. 
there are things that I don't know. That I'm sorry, that I know that I don't know. And usually what we do is we move from what we know that we don't know, like, okay, German. I know that I don't know German, so I'm going to study German in order to learn German so I can move German from the place that I know that I don't know to the place I know that I know. And that's helpful. It works. But there is all this other space of things that we don't know that we don't know. What do you, what do you know that you don't know? Oh, I guess what? You don't know. And I don't know. <laughs> so, okay, what do we do with that? That is the space of God. That is the revelation of God. I didn't know that I didn't know who Christ was at some point in my life. Honestly. <laughs> I thought I knew it. It was not a foreign name for me. I have read even one book of the Bible at least. Book of Mark. Because it means Marcos is my name. So I read it. But I didn't know that I didn't know who Christ was until the moment in which this revelation took place in my life and transformation took place in my heart. So there you go. That is, is, is a little bit of a way how we read, right? Let me put a context of, of a scripture too. And I remember I came to, to know the Lord in my 30s. So this is, it was very sobering, very humbling for me. And I have gone to college in Spain. I have on some level of success, and I had a lot of pride. <laughs> These kind of scriptures spoke to me very deeply. And I would like to admit that I still, I would like this to be true that they are still really producing that humility in me. First Corinthians 1.21, this is the Passion Translation, so it might sound a little bit different. For in his wisdom, God designed that all the world's wisdom would be insufficient to lead people to the discovery of himself. Wow. All the wisdom of the world. Insufficient. You might, you might say, that translation is weird. Well, go and read it in your translation and, and, and see, you know. There's something between it. A wisdom that is very, very human and very needed and very good, I believe, is also in a way a reflection of God. The book of Proverbs is full of it. There's a wisdom of God that is very humble and is more the place that in traditional spirituality talk about the place of not knowing. Um, another first Corinthians, um, in chapter 8, verses 1 to 3. This is the ESB. Uh, now concerning food offered to idols, we know that all of us possess knowledge. This knowledge is quote, quoted, puffs off, but love builds up. If anyone imagines that he knows something, he does not yet know as he ought to know. But if anyone loves God, he is known by God. And here's a comparison between knowledge and love, and uh, the way of, of knowing God is love. That's, uh, I think, Teresa of Avila. And um, so just to say, there's a limitation of the knowledge as we understand knowledge. That's my whole point. And I'm, I'm saying knowledge is good. We are to pursue it. But I, we are also 
have to understand this limitation because I believe that is the essence to read in a way that allows God to produce in us something that needs to be produced uh, for to gain, gain spiritual discernment. Anyway, let me move on. So, how to read? That's more interesting, Roy. Okay, how to read? How to read spiritually? I'm going to give you three quotes from different people, one of them being Henry Nouwen. Uh, they talk about this. And remember, here is when this become a little bit blurry in the sale. There is not a direct way. There's no one, two, three steps to do this well, because we're talking a different kind of muscle. And spiritual discernment is imperfect. We, we are to be possessed, not to possess. So first uh, suggestion, read with the heart. What in the world is read with the heart? I think people who read poetry you know, kind of get this a little bit more. Henry Nouwen, we can become great connoisseurs of spiritual matters without being truly spiritual people. As we learn to read spiritually on spiritual topics, we open our hearts to the divine voice. There you go. Open our hearts. Heart, not only mind, but heart. Discernment requires not only reading with the heart, but also being willing to take the book we are reading out of our sight. So we listen to what God communicates to us through the words written in that book. So you see, the primary element of our reading is the book. And our primary element to read usually is, is our eyes and our brain. And he's talking about two additional things. One is our heart. He asks to open our heart, and then he asks us to put the book away. <laughs> What? Very paradoxical, right? Yes, because we, we create the space to listen to God. So in conversation, in spiritual direction conversations, and probably you have had some, what we do is we talk, but we don't talk a lot, <laughs> at least in the contemplative kind of a spiritual direction. We actually do a lot of, maybe have a lot of silence together. So we are together to, to listen to God, and we talk a little bit, and we create silence because we want to listen to God. So you see, it's, it's different. Read with the heart. Create a space to listen to God. And God is going to use the words as, a, as an entrance, as a door, the words of the book that you're reading. That is the glory of the Lord to speak to your heart. And in a way, you will know that it's God is speaking to you. And it's so beautiful and freeing for me to know that it is the glory of the Lord to speak to my heart. And in humbling too, that is the Lord of God is speaking to you. So I don't have to try to be God for you. Right? Okay, second way to, to read. Um, eat the word of God that you're reading. Eat it. You know, this sounds like weird. Eat it. St. Bernard, because he writes... This is the bread of life. He's talking about the word of God for sure, right? Because this is the bread of life and food of the spirit. While earthly bread is kept in the pantry, a thief can steal it, a mouse none it, or it can simply be spoiled by not eating it. But if you eat it, what is there to fear? Thus, keep the word of God, because blessed are those who keep it. Eat what is good and your soul will enjoy prosperity. Do not forget to take your breath, lest your heart dries up. If you keep the word of God, 
in this way, there's no doubt that it will keep you. It's full of spiritual language. Not different than God saying, I mean, Jesus saying, eat this bread because it's my body. Drink this, you know? This is not crazy stuff. The analogy that there's something about this that you need to eat. You need to internalize. You need to put inside of you. You need to store it. Not in your brain, but in your body. Very (laughs) flesh-oriented. You know, when we make silence and I say, sometimes, you know, here's the word of the Lord and listen to it. There's nothing to do with it. Don't try to figure it out. Just let it sink in your heart. That's a way to say, eat it. Let it be in you. Become part of you. How does it work? Does it work? Eat the word you read. Finally, slow down as you read. Jean-Pierre de Cossade. If you want to assimilate all the good that I anticipate, you must not jump on it greedily or allow yourself to be carried away by the curiosity of what comes next. Fix your attention on what you are reading without thinking about what is next. Take brief breaks from time to time to let those pleasant truths sink deeper and deeper into your soul and give the Holy Spirit time to carry out his work. Simply let the truth penetrate your heart and not your mind. This echoes a lot what Henry now is saying, right? Take a break, take the book away. This is not about their day. Christ is not necessarily in the knowledge. Crisis in something else that is done through it, through your exposure to it. And there are many things that are not easy to understand, but we know that somehow this is splashing to us. <laughs> we do this when we do Lectio, right? We listen very in, in a very different speed, if you want. We will understand in this time. Probably this time that we have this conversation is very hard to try to, to say, okay, here you have all those things, but at least those three different ways of reading spiritually might be helpful for you. And, and my best encouragement is try it. Wonder how does it, how is it is for you um, to, to, to do those things. As you read. Okay, let me finish with a couple of things. What to read? And this is going to be very brief here. First, and, and remind you, read the Bible. <laughs> read the Bible. You know, this seems so basic, but there are so many other things to read too. But allow the Bible be in there always. I, 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 the first, I will be the first to admit there are seasons when I'm so thirsty and so drawn to the Bible, and that's what I want to read. And there are moments when, wow, it seems so, I'm far from the Bible. I don't want to read it. I want to read other books, right, other things. Acknowledge that, I mean, seasons. But don't let it go. Read the Bible, the Word of God. Jesus, I think 70% of what Jesus says in the Bible is quoting directly or indirectly scripture. So there is something about that that we need to learn to 
recognize and respect the Bible. Don't take this as, oh my gosh, this is the Bible, the only book. I think you, read to, you need to read a lot more things than the Bible. But read the Bible. Right? Biographies of the saints. I love it. Stories. Do you know? I, not, it doesn't have to be an opinion. It is just stories. Stories. How this took place in the life of other people. This is a spiritual journey. This is a spiritual discernment. There's something beautiful about it. With the mystics, I think we're in a time now that people don't get angry when we say this now, right? There was a time when mystics, oh my gosh, angels. You have to be always careful in all kinds of interpretations. And, but don't be afraid and allow the, the, the truth, the, 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 the words of Jesus be truth in you. The Spirit will lead you to all truth. And there are things that you might say, no, this is not for me today. But there are things that you might say, this is for me today. Remember, you don't need to agree 100% with, with the things that you read. Really learn to, to make the sifting in your own heart. Read prayers, I believe. It's awesome. Prayers of all, prayers of the saints. How people pray. What I love about prayer is that sometimes we, we all make silence, right? We listen to the prayer. Sometimes we use we misuse prayers, but read poetry. There's so good poetry. There's something about that. I, I really want to learn how is that we change. I think we change a little bit the, the, the side of the brain in a way when we start reading poetry um, that speaks in a very deep, profound way. Okay, let me finish giving you a little bit of this. Uh, I'm going to skip <clears throat> this. I'm going to finish with this poem. Uh, I discovered that it, I always thought I was Father Pedro Arrupe, but uh, then I found uh, somebody saying that it was Joseph well, Willem who really wrote this poem. And I, I've come across this poem before. It's called Fall in Love. Just, just listen. Let's see if God speaks to you in some way. Fall in love. Nothing is more practical than finding God, than falling in love in a quite absolute final way. What you are in love with, what seizes your imagination, will affect everything. It will decide what will get you out of bed in the morning, what you do with your evenings, how you spend your weekends, what you read, whom you know, what breaks your heart, and what amazes you with joy and gratitude. Fall in love. Stay in love. And it will decide everything. Before words, I wonder how God is speaking to you through those words. I can bear witness of how God is speaking to me. But you see, that's when we enter in that very intimate space of a spiritual reading that is a, the background for that spiritual discernment. Okay. Let's talk. What's coming up? for you.
yesterday when I um, had finally had a chance to sit down and read script, I'd taken my Bible on the trip and didn't have one day, you know, where I was able to really make that time. And when I dove into the scripture yesterday, I was shocked to read. I mean, every time you go back to the Bible, every time you study, you find if you're really uh, listening, you find something else, you find a different meaning, or you find out something that you just never noticed. And I was reading about the seven seals and I couldn't believe that I had read that uh, not only the saints, but the animals were bowing before Jesus and worshiping, praising him. And I mean, I always believe that all dogs go to heaven kind of thing, <laughs> but I couldn't imagine that. I mean, I, it just stopped me in my tracks. I was just shocked. And, um, I was explaining that to my husband last night, but it actually he had walked out while I was in the middle of studying in the kitchen. He goes, Oh, I'm out here too early. You know, he knows how important that time is for me. Um, I'm, I'm so such a better person when I sit down and listen to God, listen to his word through reading and just really studying, like you said, each line, you know, not just because my head's so full of knowledge from reading books, but it does me no good if I don't, you know, just rushing to learn something without that, that communication and that relationship with the spirit, which is what happens when I sit down and focus. And um, I'm, I'm just, you, you can't discover something new without taking that time. Thank you. Thank you, Brenda. Uh, Martha, could you say a little bit more about um, being discovered? I'm not sure I understand that. Yeah, let me say briefly, and, and Judith, uh, you, you can go after. Okay. But <clears throat> yeah, being discovered is, um, it, I, I'm going to say what it speaks to me, okay? Uh, how I, the gist of why I, I wrote. There are so many places of me, so many even things of me that I don't, I don't think I know. So things, places of, of my own reality, my own thoughts, uh, brokenness that I don't know. I don't know why I do sometimes the things that I don't want to do. I believe that uh, when I say being discovered, I, I allude to it. Lord, would you, would you, you, you know me better than I do? Would you reveal those areas of me that I don't know? I think Psalm 19, where David talks about um, the, the deliver me from the things that I don't know, the offenses that I don't know that I have committed. So that there is an, an awareness of things that I don't know that I don't know about me. And uh, they might be good. <laughs> they might not be so good. I'm not talking necessarily about something that is bad. But the awareness of my own limitation of knowing self, myself, that's what I mean. Lord, would you help me being discovered by me? Would you bring light in the areas of my heart that need your light? That, that's so what I meant. Yeah. yeah. You have any comment? You're welcome to do it. But Judith, you were going to say something just before. Yeah, that's okay. Um, I'm, I've never been one to read a lot of poetry, but somebody shared a poem the other day that I'll share with us because I actually went to the trouble of printing it out so I could hold on to it. Um, this was written by the Reverend Stephen Charleston, who was the retired Episcopal Bishop of, of Alaska. He wrote, 
Your song will not end. The kindness you have shown, the wisdom you have shared, the love you have given. None of that will end. It will go on and on, passed like an heirloom of faith from person to person, not only of your own family, but between the countless others you have known, cared for, worked with, prayed for, and respected. You have made music with your life. You have made a witness. The harmony you have embodied and the hope you have embraced will sing on after you, sing on into generations yet to come. Your vision will live in many hearts until one joyous day, it joins the chorus of life that began when the spirit first started to sing. I just wanted to share that. Wonderful. That's beautiful, Judith. Yeah. Can I ask? I mean, you don't have to share what you don't want to, but what's one thing that that speaks to you, Judith? How? Um, what it's well, it, it speaks to me because of I think the work that I've been doing in Faith Walk, that for so long, um, and and most of you know this from other places, but for so long I struggled with feeling inadequate and feeling like I was never good enough. Um, that's some of the false narratives I had told myself, and and this speaks to the promise. This um, right now, Sol and I are in Module Two. And we're talking this week about, um, we're having a coaching session about transformational conversations. And I think this is the, the what's coming part of the transformational conversation for me. It's, it's um, not necessarily the here and now, but it's what I can anticipate um, where I see God working. And um, it brings hope. Thank you for sharing. Welcome. You know, a word about poetry, I cannot stop, and Trisha will give you uh, some, you, you can. I, I remember uh, maybe five years ago, I don't know, maybe more, I was challenged to read poetry. And I was in a moment of my own spiritual journey in which I, I was like, yeah, looking for more, you know, that moment when you say, Lord, ah, it seems I don't hear you lately, you know, what's next? <laughs> and uh, I've been serving a lot, yeah, I've been teaching a lot, you know, but what is next? There's a longing on my, on my heart that I could not, what to do with it, you know, I don't know what to do with it, I'm just kind of feel mad at myself sometimes. And it's not that I, I'm struggling with God or anything, it's just a, and and I remember these long times of silence sometimes that will be prefaced by a poem, a little bit of a practice that we did for a while. Oh my gosh. I cannot tell you, but I collect quotes, songs, and poems. And I cannot tell you how many poems have spoken so deeply in my heart that... Um, yeah, you know, they speak about hope, they speak about love, they speak about God, and they're so simple, so many, so, so few words, but they speak in a way in which it is a life. People who love poetry probably will tell you the same. And it's not like, I don't know, 
spiritual reading uses some of the same muscles. I'm not saying that every poem is spiritual, no. But the muscles that we use in the understanding or receiving a poem feels, to me, a little bit like that spiritual reading that we're talking about. Trish. Yeah, I was thinking, I've I've loved poetry for a long time, and I I go through seasons of reading it, though. Um, But you're right. Poetry requires that you sit with it. It's not something to get through, or it just, it takes a savoring of it and a contemplating to understand the deeper meaning under that. And Judith, when you were reading that poem, it reminded me that every like life that we touch and every, you know, love, the love that we give, the love that we receive, it has a rippling effect to everyone. And that God uses even the smiles that we give to a person passing by. Um, and instead of having a scarcity mindset, that poem reminded me of God of abundance. He's just, he is abundantly more than what we can even imagine. I I really liked that. Thank you for sharing that. You're welcome. Thank you indeed. And um, in in the spirit of the moment, (laughs) I know this time, but I would like to, instead of doing a prayer that I love, I would like to close with this poem. Okay, this is another of those poems that are beautiful to me. It's shared by a dear friend time ago, uh, Lucille Clifton. Uh, she uh, writes about the lesson of the falling leaves. And obviously it's, it's fall, so maybe timing. And she writes very, be- very beautifully, the leaves believe such letting go is love. Such love is faith. Such faith is grace. Such grace is God. I agree with the leaves. Thank you, friends. Thank you, Marcus. That's beautiful. I'm gonna look twice at you. Till I see the Christ in you Till I'm looking through the eyes of love Till I'm looking through the eyes of love